podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast going daily for the T20 World Cup. England have been dealt a T20 World Cup humbling by Ireland, making their game against Australia on Friday now a virtual must-win for both sides. With me to discuss that game is former England batter Mark Butcher. Hi Butch, uh, Ireland beat England by five runs and put a big dent in their T20 World Cup hopes. Did you see that coming? <laughs> um, no, I did not. Um, I'm not sure anybody did, I mean, particularly given that England won the toss um, and, and bowled first on what looked like pretty decent bowling conditions, to be honest. Uh, and also with the, with the weather around, you always feel that that, that uh, somehow um, gives the advantage to the team chasing. However, none of those things turned out to be true. Um, England didn't bowl particularly well with a new ball. Um, and then with the bat, they were, they were strangely static, I thought. Um, you know, the, the New Zealand, uh, Ireland bowled superbly. I mean, let's take nothing away from Balburnie. Um, sort of taking the, the fight to England, who bowled, bowled far too short. Um, and then the way that, that all of uh, Ireland's seam has bowled. I mean, Josh Little is, is a real threat, but um, Adair and co also just pitched the ball up and got it to move sideways. But having said all that, <clears throat> depth that England have, I mean, they've cho- chosen to play literally every single one of the, of, of, of the batters in the side. Um, for them to sort of, they just were, were, were sort of static targets, I thought. Um, you know, Ireland moved around the crease a lot. They tried to give themselves a bit of room. Um, they'd come down the pitch. England sort of just stayed stayed in the crease. It was very old-fashioned um, batting from from all of them. I mean, obviously, you lose Joss in the first over. That that shouldn't really be a worry um, with England's depth. Uh, but as it was, I think they they um, they allowed themselves to be bowled out rather rather too uh, rather too easily. I'm afraid. Mm. Yeah, we should talk a bit more about Ireland later, but let's start with England and the batters, as you say, and go through a couple of them. I guess first, Ben Stokes. He's got four single-figure scores in five innings in T20i since returning to the side. This is kind of what people feared might happen, but hoped wouldn't, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of, when we when we did our sort of pre-tournament pod, I sort of said that, you know, for me, Stokes or, or, or Moeen were the two guys who were kind of, if if England were going to play, look to play the extra specialist bowler, then one of those two guys would probably miss out. And given Stokes' lack of um, T20 cricket uh, for England or for anybody else in, in the last uh, couple of years, you would have said it would probably be him. Um, obviously, I mean, Topley, Topley's injury sort of threw a big spanner in the works, didn't it? They had to try and sort of rejuggle batting depth plus having, uh, you know, to find another another guy to take the new ball for them, um, which maybe, through, maybe has made... Um, Stokes' position a little bit more solid in that team. But I still think, you know, England ended up five runs short and Duckworth Lewis five wickets down and still had Sam Curran and Chris Wokes in the hutch and, and Liam Livingston had only just got to the crease. So, you know, you can you can have too much batting. I know that sounds a bit daft, but you can sort of, you know, leave, leave yourself with um, with with um, resources left on the on the bench or have batters kind of leave it up to the next guy. Well, he'll, he'll pick it up. He'll pick it up and Nobody takes on the uh, the metal themselves. Yeah, I guess given that they're going to have that depth, that it's Milan is quite an odd one at the moment because throughout this year it seems like he's kind of 
done away with that slow starting sort of reputation mm. he had. And then this tournament, he's had a couple of, of, of really slow innings where he hasn't just started slow, he's sort of continued slow as well. And these are on the pitches when, you know, this was kind of a lot of the argument for sticking with Milan was that when you get to Australia on these pitches, this would be where he would be the guy. And that hasn't really happened. I mean, it, it is only two games and he has been, mm. uh, you know, he has started quick for a lot of this year. Do England back him? Or do you have Phil Salt on the sidelines? And that is a massive game. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and again, you know, the sort of the three left-hander thing as well that England kind of have, have lined up one after the other, I think, is also slightly problematic. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, again, it was bizarre because Milan sort of just, again, he was probably the most guilty of sort of just staying staying put, didn't come down down the pitch, didn't give himself a bit of room. He just kind of stayed there almost four, four, uh, four or five day batting style and allowed the, the bowlers to, to bowl at him. Um, and it's slightly curious because as because he's not played like that um, over the course of this year and whether or not, again, that the, the, the sort of hangover between losing early wickets, not wanting to then, you know, lose a further one in the power play, which again is understandable because I think that was exactly the right thing to do. But England, England in trying to protect wickets in the power play, lost three anyway. You know, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, so his, his innings was a was a bad one, and he will feel he will feel under pressure. But I still I still don't think that he's the one he's the one that's under under the pump. Um, you know, and people will sort of say, well, Stokes is, is capable of doing something something magnificent at some point, and his fielding and his bowling are all, all play into it. Um, but then England have got. Lots of other batters in that in that lineup who are also capable of doing it, who are all batting one position lower than they would be otherwise. So um, it's it's an interesting one. I, I think I think, and I was worried about this before it started. I think they've in in trying to kind of fit them all in, they've they've kind of left themselves with a little bit more of a dilemma than if they'd have got taken grass the net and left one of them out. And that might be, as I said, it was one of the three left-handers before before we started the tournament. Um, Stokes, Milan, or Moen Ali. Um, I think you know Mo, Moen's a must-play. Um, Milan before the tournament was a must-play, and so you know somebody's going to have to make that call at some point. Yeah, is, is there an argument for pushing Stokes down the order? Do you think? I mean, he was batting at six before he kind of had this long absence from the T20I side, and then you could have Moen at number mm. four, and he showed today how good he was, or Brook in that sort of crunch engine room slot. Is that something that England could do, or do you think that? This is that no, I, I think I think so. I, I don't see any reason why he has to bat number four. And again, you've got again you've got that whole two left handers, one after the other. Um, you know, England haven't been flexible and sort of split them up at any point. It, you know, obviously that the obvious thing is that you have lots of people padded up, both Brook and Stokes. And if if the lefty goes, you send in a lefty. If the righty goes, you send in a righty. But they've kind of stuck with Milan three, Stokes at four. Um, but yeah, I think perhaps more than anything, more than you know, worrying about the the, the lineup and how and how they're all um, coming in one after the other, it's just the curious thing. It's just a, a just how static they were. It was a really un-England like batting performance. And whilst you're not sort of calling for for sort of mad recklessness or anything, because the ball was moving around, it was just a case that they just stood there and um, you know allowed allowed those guys to hit a very four day, five day length. Um, without really getting any any sort of pushback. Yeah, let, let's talk about Ireland a bit because they they were really good and they've been good throughout this tournament. I mean, in that Super Twelve campaign, or sorry, in that first round of that campaign, they were 
in that sort of group of death and halfway through it mm. looked completely out against Scotland and then came back yeah. and then beat West Indies. Uh, Val Burney was excellent today and he's really likeable, sort of unflappable, calm, cool, understated character, I think. Uh, Logan yeah. Tucker and Curtis Camp were both bold, but Josh, Josh Little is kind of the... Uh, he's almost like the breakout star of that Ireland side, I guess, in terms of a young guy who could attack, attract that kind of global interest, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, and he's... You know, I saw him. I saw him sort of live for the first time last year during the hundred, and he was playing for Manchester Originals up at Old Trafford. I think he picked up five for um, escapes me who was against. It might have been Birmingham. I'm not entirely sure, but he, he bowled quickly and ruffled people with the short ball, um, and sort of managed to catch batters on the crease when he got it up there as well. So he, he's a bit quicker than he looks. Slippery, aggressive. And he's got that little bit like Sam Curran in that the, the, the angle, the trajectory is quite sort of flat and quite skiddy and quite at you. Um, he's obviously a little bit quicker than, than young Sam. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he's fantastic. And he was brilliantly backed up um, by, by the rest of the scene bowlers, really, who, uh, who, who got extracted movement, brought the stumps into play um, and, and, bowled, and bowled as well as, as well as England bowled badly in their first 10. Mm. And that, on the seam, it was that ball from Fionn Hand to Stokes was just amazing, wasn't it? I mean, his second <laughs> ball at T20 World Cup, it kind of snakes in, hits the pitch, comes in more, uh, goes for his back pad gap. That was the where I was sat up and was like, hold on, something's happening here. It was just amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, then sort of Stokes left groping with the ball nipping between between bat and pad. Um, and, and given conditions like that, you don't necessarily have, I think Owen Morgan said it, at the back end, and it's something that I've, I've all long agreed with and long believed, that the more the more you have going for you in terms of movement, the less you have to do. Um, you know, run up, bowl, bowl a good line and length and, and let the let the conditions do their thing. And, and Ireland did that fantastically well. Mm. I guess both these sides have big games, actually, because Ireland against Afghanistan, that could be a result that sees them make top four in the group now. And even, possibly, if they win that, then they're you know, two wins from three and possibly need to whip Nick one more to be in with a shout of the the semis, possibly. That, that is getting ahead of themselves, but that is a huge game. Uh, and then the England-Australia game as well. Do, do England change anything? It's kind of, kind of a must-win for both sides and if they lose it, they'll be dependent on other results, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, both both teams have sort of mis, misfired, haven't they? Um, you know, Marcus Stoinis had to had to come, go into to Hulk mode to, to get them over the line against Sri Lanka the other day. Top order's not looked particularly flash. The same, same has been for England. Um, England obviously had the better of Australia in the, in the warm-up matches. Um, but, yeah, you go down to a sort of... It looks as though it's probably a must-win game for both, isn't it, now, Friday? I mean, England potentially could have put, um, you know, Australia out of the competition had they won um, today against Ireland. But now, now it really is uh, coming down to uh, whoever's got the... Whoever's got the the biggest balls to try and uh, to try and stay in it on Friday, uh, and, and you know I, I think the way that England have played against Australia with the style of cricket that both teams like to play, I think you would back England to win that. However, um, you know the confidence can't be particularly high at the moment. They've had two two tough um, two tough tough batting pitches, and they haven't particularly played uh, well on either. And um, you know it hasn't just, it hasn't been that sort of freewheeling go out there and, and bash it to all parts um, competition for them. Much as it wasn't in the World Cup in, in 2019, um, that that has allowed them to go out there and play the way they enjoy playing 
most. So, um, so some meetings and some and some not stern words, but some honest honesty about okay, well, if we come up against conditions like this again, um, you know, do we think batting first might not be a good a bad idea? We've seen we've seen teams um, in the course of this tournament with the with the with the movement that's been around. Um, being able to post what would be sort of you'd call below par scores on on less bowler friendly pitches and and defend them reasonably successfully. I mean, you know, Pakistan should have won that game against India, um, no doubt. And so, you know, that they might look at that and think to themselves, well, do, you know, is is chasing really going to be the way forward if continue if conditions continue to be the way they are at the moment? Mm. Since since you bring up the India Pakistan game, let's just finish by talking about uh, the <laughs> shot as a as it's now known um yes. as as you know as a, a, a former England batter uh how tr- just try and get across how absurd it is to hit a ball that quick and that short in that place I it's just I don't know I've seen him do it before I remember it was out in I was out in um in India 2016 and, and uh, as captain of RCB they had to go on a, like a six match winning streak or something to get through to the playoffs and he and he and um A.B. de Villiers just went on this run of, of playing unbelievable innings. And I remember watching him then and, and watching both of them hit balls from above the top of the stumps with both feet on the floor with a straight bat, back over mid on, back over mid off. And just thinking at the time, how are they doing? How are they generating that sort of that sort of power from deliveries um, of that length and of that speed? So, I, you know, it's just you pull off something that is so, so executionally difficult as that. In a situation like that, against one of the best, you know, we watched Harris Ralph bowling at the death against England in, in Pakistan. Just thought, wow, this guy's, this guy is seriously good. And of course, you, you then you then hit what would be his best ball. You know, he's run up with having bowled a brilliant over. You hit his best ball, flying over the top of middle and off, back over his head for six off the back foot. And now the bowler's going back to his mark and going, now what the hell do I do? You know, and and then the, the next delivery bowl was was a terrible delivery. You know, pace on down the leg side, and you just lifted it up for six. But you, but can you imagine what that did to the guy who let go of the ball to watch that disappear back over his head? Um, it's stunning. We had the Carl Mayo's one, didn't we? We had the, the sort of the shot over extra cut. I, I I think given that the ball was straight, given that Cody didn't particularly give himself a massive amount of room. Given that it was Harris Ralph, and given that it literally it had to go for six, otherwise they they would. <laughs> they weren't going to get there. That's probably the, one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. Mm. Well, that's a, a good way to end it. Cheers, Butch. Uh, next week. <laughs> the day's second game between New Zealand and Afghanistan was completely washed out, which is probably good news for England with the Black Caps dropping points. And it is worth reiterating that if England do win all the remaining games, they are still guaranteed a spot in the semis. But at the moment, with rain in England's form, etc., that is a big if. Uh, anyway, thanks very much for listening. And if you did enjoy, please leave us a nice, maybe even a five-star review on the app. Podcast Network.